Because to be white in 1963, and I would argue still today, is to have the luxury, the privilege, if you will, of not having to know black and brown truth. You can be oblivious to the reality of people of color and suffer no consequence. Very, very segregated country. Millions of white Americans live in places where they rarely see anyone of a different race. You're listening to Your Neighbor's Hood, a podcast for uncomfortable culture conversations, specifically about race. Do your thing, Christina and Jackie. Okay. What's good in the hood? So we're back at it. Yes, we're back Another at it. Another podcast. We're in your ears. It's pretty good. We're yeah. gonna first, uh, Christina. Yes. What's it, good? What's, what's good, good in, in the, the hood? hood? Um, oh, I'm getting a new car. We're. I'm excited. Oh. We're selling my Jeep. Little payments are a little high. You oh, got, can I tell you when yeah. I told my husband what you said your payments were? He said, God. Oh, I know. We he like had a seizure. In the I store. know. We were young and made a mistake, so we learned from our ways. But you have a Mini Cooper, and I loved that car, so I drove it. It's a go kart. Yeah, it is a go kart. We drove one, and it was so fun. So it's on our list. It's on our list. We might be joining your Mini Cooper. Yes! They have, okay, so in our town, they have Mini Cooper meetups. Yeah. We're all these, Are you like, kidding? Yeah, like, go to Dumars. Dumars is like this old, like, Dumars is that's well, that's where most of when okay. they have minority, the it's like out of on the other side of the water. We like to call it. So we're like seven cities. Yeah. So it, they're all connected, but right. many Coopers from all over come oh, and we do meetups. Fun. The, the the what do you call it? The motto is if you if you bring it up, tell us a time and place, and we'll be there. So I, I think their favorite part here in in our area. Oh my gosh. Dumars. That's amazing. Which is like a sock hopping kind of thing. I've been wanting to go there. <laughs> oh my gosh. So that's it. That's it. You know, it's what? a process. I know. So we, we sold our car to CarMax and we've been looking. We, we drove with Countryman and loved it. So I know. Oh, okay. That is like an SUV of Mini Cooper. It is. It yeah. is like the. It's nice. It's you have super, a smaller one. I do. I have a Clubman. Yeah. And then my husband has a. Um, uh, JCW, like okay. just a regular one, a regular Mini Cooper. And then I have a friend who bought a Mini Cooper. I know. Clubman. And then it's I have two you. friends that the couple bought Mini Cooper. Isn't that funny? It's a contagious it car. Is a con- I've never heard of it before, so thank you. It's very you have great taste. <laughs> All right, girl, what's good in your hood? Um, what's good in my hood is. Oh, gee. So I'm really trying to get my kids back on this whole regimen of get up, yeah. do your workout, I know, swallow your Insta frog. stories. Swallow the damn frog. Because <laughs> I'm trying to get order back into my home. Sure. My husband just gave us permission to use a whole space in the house for our stuff. Oh. So I'm really excited. Thank you, about, husband. Yes, thank you, husband. You know, he, me, it's not to tell him. But the best thing in my hood is that I have been a mother for 12 years. It's amazing. Which oh, yeah, your birthday. Your um, trans birthday. Yes, the celebration. So he asked me, he's like, Mom, can you wake me up at the time I was born? I said, Absolutely. 3.51 in the morning? I can do that. That is amazing. Did you do that today? I did. I climbed in his no, bed at 3.51. And old jealous here, Bruce, I got into the bed and Bruce is like, What are you doing? What are you? So at the moment, he gets really jealous. He has this yeah. weird thing with me and my son. So I rolled in his bed. I said, hey, Puffin, because that's my little yeah. nickname. He's like, Mom, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh. I'm like, you're still asleep. And he starts telling stuff. And Bruce is like, jumped on the bed. It's like separating the two of us. Oh my I'm God. like, okay, okay, Petty. Have a petty party somewhere else. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm really excited. We bought my son a bird. Oh, I know. Which it's is so funny. So funny. I gotta see that. <laughs> oh my God. So we have a new animal. Another I'm really animal. excited about it. Yeah. Everybody's like, he's like, it's so, I just can't believe it. My mind is blown. Oh my gosh. Oh, I have a bird. Oh, I, oh. I'm like, That's a great impression of him. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's perfect. He has a little chair. I had to pick it up, but he was sitting in a chair just 
watching the bird this morning. I was like, oh my, my God. So I'm I grateful. love your family. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And everybody's so crazy. Yeah. And that's always good in the hood. Yep. Absolutely. As long as you know you're crazy. Oh my so what's crazy is, is this story that we're going to talk yeah. about. Yeah. I yeah. had never, so we're talking about a story that happened to Detroit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happened in Detroit. And they, they, who did they sue? They sued. They sued the, the state. Yeah. They actually sued the state. Because they felt like they were not, they didn't have the, liter, they didn't have literacy. They right. were not ready. So there's a Detroit, the headline is Detroit students are suing the state of Michigan. And it was for access to, um, is, to literacy. Yeah. Is literacy a constitutional and let right? let me tell you, I had never even thought of that. No. I never even thought of that as a concept or so in this episode we talk about that is it a right we want to know what you guys think too mm-hmm. let us know because I, I have to be honest with you I don't know what my answer is because mm-hmm. part of me thinks no you part know I mean that right? it's my not initial right? yeah my initial reaction it's like no nah. yeah I just think this whole story as we talk through you hear us talk through it it really goes back to that basic um thought of when we were even on the campaign trail and yeah. stuff is that there are a lot of opportunities out there mm-hmm. Right. Afforded to many people. Cities do a great job, but it's the access part that we forget. Right. All the time. All the time. Whether it's for a working mom, for a under, under, under I say underprivileged, but a marginalized community, whatever it is, yeah. it's the access is now a problem, not opportunity. Right. So, yeah, it's a pretty good one. So I hope it's you guys challenged. enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You're dropping in. Enjoy September, seven Detroit students filed a lawsuit against Governor Rick Snyder and other state education officials. They argue that the state of Michigan is violating students' constitutional rights by depriving them of literacy. Yesterday, the state filed a motion to dismiss the case, claiming that there is no fundamental right to literacy. But the court battle is far from over. A week after the case was filed, Jay Caspi and Kang visited one of the six schools named in the complaint. This is one of the kids who led the lawsuit. Right now, I'm waiting on the bus, getting ready to go to school. Got to get up a little bit earlier than everybody else because I live so far from the school. So, yeah. Osborne Evergreen Academy is a high school on the east side of Detroit. 89% of its students are in reading at grade level, which is typical for a Detroit public school. Jamar A. Hall is a senior in Osborne. He's classmates with one of the unnamed plaintiffs in the lawsuit. What's your favorite subject in school? Math. And you took pre-calculus last year, right? Mm-hmm. So what, what math class are you in right now? Pre-calculus again. Yeah, why, why did that happen? Like, why are you taking the class over again? Really, I don't think it's enough, uh, even another teacher probably available to teach the next math class. And even if it is, it's probably not even no books for that math class. Mark Rosenbaum, one of the lawyers leading the case, says that this is the first time anyone's argued that literacy is a basic right protected by the 14th Amendment. Literacy means the capacity to read, to learn, and to understand. That's the argument here. The 14th Amendment is about equal citizenship, equal access to the institutions of a government, equal opportunity to learn, equal treatment within the schools, which after after all are the engines of the democracy and the great equalizer. That's what the argument is here, that that all children, no matter their race, no matter their class, have access to literacy. The suit argues that schools aren't equipped for learning. Problems range from teacher staffing, 
lack of books, and a rundown unsafe facilities. Like the bathroom, sinks don't work, there's no doors on the bathroom, the classes, it subs, it's so many subs, different subs every day. Water fountain doesn't work, it's just books, no books, books all torn up. Where Bill up Clinton is still the president. Put the assignment on the board, everybody got copy it down just because it's not enough paper to make the copies. The school will be so hot in the summer, so cold in the winter. Why do you think the schools are in this condition? I think people don't care, and I think that they think that we don't care. Like, that we're all, everybody just on their opinions that it's cool. But it's, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. So I think I think it's a couple things that go to this, is that perception of that minorities in hoods. Right. This is they're just that way because they are. They're just dumb because So that I wrote that down. I wrote down a note of that is like child said that we don't care. That we don't care. And I think that that like breaks my heart because it's like they're human. Why wouldn't they care? Why wouldn't they want to go to a school that they can take pride in? You know what I mean? And, I don't, and, then it, and where does the why where is the assumption coming from? Like who how can people in their right mind assume that kids feel that way or parents don't you know what I mean? That seems crazy to me. Because it, I feel like it's because of marketing and that's yeah. just the way that we marketing of what or of of black people. Gotcha. Of non white people. It's the thing about it, we I think we talked about it where it's like, well they're lazy, they're dumb. They, they're not hard workers. They don't want to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't want to put in the work. I put myself up for a bootstrap, but how are you going to say this kid doesn't even have... what you used to say, oh, we go set it. I got to make the shoe. Yeah, you know I, I don't mean? have the boot. Yeah, I yeah. have the boot. And that's where this is, this is a part of that. Yeah. Is that they don't even have the boot. Right. And so and what's he say? He says something amazing. Like, if you don't have it, literacy, you have an inequality because literacy is the basis for everything. So you, you can't take place, you can't take place in society. You can't, you can't move yourself up if you can't read correctly. And, and then, and then not even just have literacy, but critically think what you need, which is a huge skill to get forward. Mm-hmm. And part of that too, is it's like, this young man is going to go out into the world. Right. Right. And I, I don't know how old this is. Mm-hmm. This is 16, right? This originally aired in 16. That same boy, mm-hmm. when I saw, when I found the story, he is in Florida yeah. at a community college taking remedial classes, trying to catch up. And what he said that made me like, that upset me was that he's like, I'm sitting in these classes and I feel like, like something's wrong with me. Mm. Like I'm dumb. Right. So then not only do you have a system where you're preventing he he can't start his little life mm-hmm. because he's not at a, a he's at not a, prepared he's not prepared but then think about the mental side of that of inadequacy mm-hmm. and then still having to live yeah that's why this. i think that point is the large is a larger thing to pull away from this is like we underestimate the emotional side and toll that that can take on you okay and let's think about this self-esteem what does that do to your self-esteem what does that do to mm-hmm. your self-confidence because you need those are skills softer skills that we don't think about that you need to go into the workforce mm-hmm. that you need to become an actualized a self-actualized adult and if you don't so if you don't have that you're set you're already behind already yeah i'm looking at because he said it's a violation of the 14th amendment and yeah. we talked about this on the last episode. yeah i know i mixed that up what was the 14th amendment? The 14th, okay so the 14th amendment um 14th amendment was adopted on july 9th 1868 is one of the uh reconstruction so mm-hmm. right uh amendments the amendment addresses citizens rights and equal protection of the laws 
was proposed in response to former slaves following the American Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just it. And do would you feel equal if you no. had a school system, a school? No. And what uh, my question for that kid would be, and like, well, thankfully, he he they even thought to do that lawsuit. You know what I, I mean? Know, I wonder who because I think that. when you're in it, why would you even know that's an it's an insidious system set up against you? But they don't know. Would they even know? I don't think so. You know what I mean? As a child, do you even think through that? I don't know. I don't know because I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Right? Why would you? That's what I'm saying. Like, why would you or where would and you? And this learn goes that? back to what we were talking about before about. Part of the reasons, why, if you look in our own backyard and people's ability to advocate for their kids. Right. Right. How can you advocate for your child when you can't advocate? And we learned that. Remember when we were on the campaign trail and there was that mom that stopped you because she was having, wasn't it behavioral issues with her son? I think so. You're talking about the one who was crying on the porch? Yes. Yes. Or the one that entered... Well, I talked to her first, and then you came up, okay, yeah. and she was just venting, and I didn't really know what to do, and you stepped in and were like, well, we need to teach advocacy to the parents so they know how to take it home. You know what I mean? Because, because they don't know how to teach their children to advocate for themselves. And you got to look at it. These kids have parents, and yeah. it's not that their parents don't 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 give a shit about right. them. They care about who, We all do the best that we that we can. Right. But see, we are all beholden to, to a system, right? And we have the expectation, even though... Public education is something that's free. You don't expect it to be. Who expects it to be like this? Right. So that's the first thing I wrote down. Can I just share my initial reaction? Was like, I just how how is it this bad? I I wouldn't think about that or even know. You know what I mean? And I think unfortunately the average white person would never know it was that bad. So then we got to look think back to when when. When we were, when mm-hmm. black folks had their schools, right? right. We, we had schools of our own mm-hmm. that were doing okay. Mm-hmm. But we weren't getting the same kind of books. And right. so we're getting leftover, leftover stuff from, right. from white schools, right? right? And so you had a group of people that advocated and said, hey, you know what? Like, we want to be able to have good books and goods just like you guys. Mm-hmm. And so then you get to a process where we're trying to integrate, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to bring people into the same schools. But then... There are people that don't want that to happen. Right. And you get folks like the United Daughters of the Confederacy mm-hmm. that's like, if they're going to be here, then we're going to teach We're going to teach them the way that we want to teach them. Right. And that we're going to set it up so that they live in the neighborhood so that we really don't have to. We don't, it's not that we're cho- We're not integrating. It's they chose to live over there in those redlining, keeping mm-hmm. black folks in certain NA neighborhoods, depriving those neighborhoods of resources, education. So it's been an ongoing process. Right. Like it, it is a part of the master plan, right? right. Um, to dehumanize. Syst- yeah, and that's what systemic racism mm-hmm. is. But like that that's why I wanted to talk about systemic racism because we don't think about it like mm-hmm. that. It's not it's not an everyday word and it's you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it seems clunky and nebulous to me. Like what do you, what do you mean when you, we say ne- but that this is a like firm example of what it a is and example. how it shows up. And I would challenge I would challenge someone that would say that look at that that situation well it's because they don't take care of their neighborhoods or it's because they don't keep but that's not the responsibility of those children you're talking about an entire what a great point because I think that's that that's a comeback you know what I mean that's what like unfortunately some white people might say yeah that they, they just don't take care of their stuff and right. it's like this I was looking at the pictures and it's like I know that even our schools have I some was just going to say I hate to say it remember we talked to that who was it where the, the building worker the bill yeah yeah where the, 
And he was talking about how the water coming in. Come see yeah. how this is. You know, but you know, you were amazing too because remember you taught that little boy. I love that story to do the um, the bathroom. The bathroom. You yeah, know, tell that story. Yeah. So when we first, when I first moved here and started going to the Civic League, there was actually a um, a um, couple that now it wasn't a couple. It was a single mom and her boyfriend, I think, and I think he, would, I think they were Hispanic. Maybe he was white and Hispanic. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But he would come. He started hanging out with the kids up the street, and he wanted to go to the Civic Leagues, too. So I'm like, come on, come on. Let's go to the Civic Leagues. Let's do what we got to do. Right. And he was always talking about how his school was jacked up. He's like, we don't have this. There's bugs. There's this. There's that. His sister would come. You know, she's like a basket tomboy like me, so I kind of liked her. <laughs> <laughs> if I see her walking up the street, I'm like, hey, hey girl, you know? Because, yeah. you know, you and, and they would always tell little stories about how their school had, I saw a mouse. I saw, you know, this, or this dean is racist and da 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 and it's like y'all there are certain things that you can do and they're like well okay I told the kid hey the, the council person's gonna be at our um civically civically why don't you why don't you you she's gonna ask what are some issues that's your opportunity you've told us we I taught him how to go to the guidance counselor how to talk to the dean how to go you know the thing people don't take kids seriously sometimes right. and he ended up um our council person, he emailed her his whole lot times and dates. He came here. We we even had to set him up an email account. Mm-hmm. At that point, I don't think I knew that my kids were in elementary school. And I don't think I knew that the middle schoolers had their own email address. But he emailed about there not being not not being doors or locks on the bathroom doors or even doors in some of the boys' bathroom. He sent that email and I think two days later he comes running up the street. <laughs> it was so funny. So exciting. Yeah, because you, you know when kids are running their backpack, he's right. going from side to side. And he's like running on the street. And he's like, Miss Jackie, there's a there's a there's a door on my bathroom at my school. I'm like, holy snuckies, who did that? You did that. And we right. did a happy dance in the street. But he felt empowered. Yeah. He was like, Oh my gosh, like, like I did that. He's like, and now for these roaches. I was like, you know, yes. <laughs> now we can this. move that. Yeah, right. But it was just that, like, teaching him, like, someone, you showed him that he could make the change he yeah. wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, you can be the change that you want to see. Right. But it can be very difficult. Oh, absolutely. When you're in, when you are in spaces where sure. I do not knock parents doesn't matter what your race background is, is when you're trying, when your mind priority is to put food on the table, is to make sure there's a roof over the head, that they got proper clothes to get out the door, that you can't get thoroughly involved in right. everything that's going on in the school, right. which is why civics is so important. Knowing your, we say the four corners, right? Knowing those neighbors, because if I'm showing up and I've got 10 people to report back to, then they can gain that information and we can do better together. So it is truly about even people that are not in those neighborhoods right. looking and saying, you know, that shit's not right. Right. That's not right. That's right. And I would think that there were, if there were parents like from other suburbs that knew about this, they would be outraged. This wouldn't happen in a white school. I think that, that you, it would not happen in a white school, but it would be, a, I think would be a mix between outrage and, well, that's not, not my circus, not my monkeys. Right. Right. Like, I don't know. Right. I, that doesn't have anything to do with me because when you look at even where we're at is there are a lot of people. I mean, you've got people that are in areas that are being gentrified. Their kids aren't going to the schools in those areas. Of course they're not. They're going to the private schools. Right. So it's like, it's not my issue. Right. And that's what I'm so passionate about. Oh my goodness. Bruce come on, is buddy. like trying to find his way. Come on, buddy. Please. Come on. <laughs> uh, come on, come buddy. On. You can sit up here. 
<laughs> so we have to give Bruce the opportunity to, to sit. sit. Are we done? Okay. Okay. I think he's done. All right. Uh-huh. So now that Bruce is ready, yeah, Bruce and we're closer here. to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Is my breath stink? No, I don't know if my breath stinks. I think we're good. <laughs> I was on the go. Nope, you're good. Okay. Um, but it, what were we saying? Oh, that it wouldn't happen. And, and oh, and but that's why I'm passionate about our podcast because we're trying to get people to see that your North, this is Norfolk. It's everybody's Norfolk. It's not just one. So if one school's inequitable and doesn't have good things, but it goes to what you're saying too, the people that, so Park Place is gentrifying. So you've got people there that may live, but don't yeah. send their kids to those schools. Those so they have no concept. None whatsoever. And you, you, some people live in places like you do. Right. If you go on your run, right. you're seeing three different levels of income. Oh my just god! On your own yeah, home. so I live. So listeners know I live in a place called Lord's Corner in Norfolk, and I I live next to Titustown, which like I like to ride my bike or with my husband, and we'll go. And there's not poverty, but you know it's just lower income. Then you have me lower to middle class income, and then multi million dollar houses just on right, not even point five miles. I mean, I li- I run through three incomes in half a mile and I have never seen that before and so I always think like what are the issues that each of these families is going through and what strikes me is that they live so in close proximity but do not share or they they experience Norfolk very differently absolutely and that breaks my heart and that's just the truth about cities that are dealing with yeah these kids are and they it is when I get upset yeah our non-voting citizens, like we have a responsibility to do our due diligence, doesn't matter what you look like to them. These kids cannot vote the right people in the places to get the things that they need to get done. They can't do it, but you can, mm-hmm. right? Which is why we, again, part of what we say is this all does come down to civics is that if you are a person who wants to, who doesn't believe that these sorts of things are right and you may not be, non you may be white or you may be non-white then here's where you get involved right you vote right, right? you put the you show up to vote you do the you, those little things that you do to put the people in the places that are going to say hell no this is not okay because we don't all rise together until we take place in the system that's there but you have to give a shit right like you actually, I know. do you know I know. what i mean it starts right. there it's like starts with like do i actually care about what's happening to these people 0.5 miles up the way if you do right or if, if you even have a hankling then part of that is and that's a lot of what we talk about and that's why we do this podcast is people aren't aware i hate to say it it's just mm-hmm. they're not aware so if you're living even if you're living 0.5 miles away you still don't understand the issues in your own community but they also don't see it as their community <laughs> my son asked me do you think because i was talking about our last podcast i was like y'all you know in 19 which is 71 uh-huh. they lowered the voting age to 18 from 21 to 18 he was like well let me tell you something <laughs> This is so funny. He said, either we need to lower that voting age or it needs to be mandatory for y'all to vote. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Well, my friend, that's part of civics is that it's it's not going to be mandatory. And even if it was, you're still going to have people that are going to try to prevent certain demographics of people from voting. Mm -hmm. Which is why this whole, this is why... This is why Supreme Court is important. Mm-hmm. This is it's all connected. Mm-hmm. It's all connected. And I think we gotta be in the business of connecting those dots of of what that looks like when you take 
Yes. Little last week we talked about that. When you take one little section out of an amendment, was the fifteenth mm-hmm. amendment? One little section, then you allow states to start disenfranchising people even more. Right? right. You take away their votes. So what I'm hoping is that this is a generation of, of, of activists, right. of well, doers. It feels of, like it. If, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess my question, um, if I had one, I thought I had a question. Mm-hmm is do you think that literacy is a right? Do you feel like it's yeah, a it's I a right? I never thought about it like that. Do you think access to literacy is a right? Because you added to where we're looking at this. Like a human right? Is it a right? a right? Is it a right as an American? Do you believe that it's a constitutional right to have access to literacy? Um, I mean, it's not. It doesn't look like it is, but it probably should be. Because if you look at it this way, we started this. If you look at the very basis, if you can't read in modern day society, you can't, you're not set up and you can't do anything, right? Mm-hmm. And the Constitution was made to do that for us, to in, equ- make it an equal, an equality, equality for everyone. And if you don't have, if you can't read, you can't move forward. There's, like you said, there's no boot. <laughs> I feel like there, I feel like this is a crime in its own way mm-hmm. because it's, it, it is, it is a strategic or complete neglect to mm-hmm. our non-voting citizens like right. you're there this this is not done on things like that that's not done on accident right that's what i was gonna exactly that's what i was gonna say so like that's what i was looking up with systemic racism is like was the constitution written with <laughs> minorities and black people in mind so and it also speaks to what is what are citizens rights because when i'm looking at the 14th amendment it yeah. says this amendment addresses citizenship rights and equal protections uh, protection of the law right so does access to literacy fit in there right is that citizenship rights well but that's not, when the constitution was written i mean black people <laughs> didn't have rights did you see what i'm saying <laughs> and so and then that, that's where you see the disparities today we didn't think about it yeah it's written in a different time which is right so, okay so this is where it gets so wild to me is that i listen I listened to you. You got me in the business mm-hmm. of listening to both sides, right? Sure. And I listened to the raw hate, discontent, mm-hmm. those people there. But it's like this stuff was written, and I try not to swear so much. <laughs> this stuff was written so long ago. Right. Some of it still doesn't hold. It doesn't hold up. We've got to look at some of these things and say, ah, you know what? That may have worked in 1865, but <laughs> right probably doesn't work in 2018 right and it to me it's it's crazy because it's so simple to if you look at history we know that when it wasn't written with minorities or people of color in no mind. it was not written with me in mind right or you know as a woman right some of it is That's not, a really good point it was not written and it was just assumed that if you in that time you were reading right so yeah that wasn't that wasn't even taken into consideration and so you have unfortunately you have continued unjust like just not just you can't move forward no right but it's interesting too that children you don't even think about it like that that is that's why i think this is such a powerful story because i never would have thought about reading as a as a right as a right and if i look back on my childhood and some of the people in my life right now there are five children in my family two of us graduated high school does it well, two of us graduated high school. Right. And we lived in 
and when we lived in the city, my, my parents were still married. We, they, my parents took us to private school until we moved to the suburbs. And then we went to a school that was predominantly black. So Mexicans it was an okay school. I thought, I'd like to think it was. Then we moved into predominantly white neighborhood where it was like, <laughs> you guys don't belong here. Right. Like literally, like, you know what I mean? Which is where my brother and my sister, my older brother and my sister, their attitudes towards learning completely changed because I remember when we were in the mixed neighborhood or when we were in the city, my sister was a cheerleader. She was an AB student. She was playing basketball. I can remember seeing that. And I told you, I don't haven't lived most of my life with her because at that point when we moved in that neighborhood where it was like, you know, welcome him. She became a runway. She became a drug addict, all these other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the, the the beauty of that, I guess in a sense, is that I don't even know, I don't know why I'm saying the beauty of that, but that I don't know if it's ironic or the crazy part in all of that is that we were in a we were in a predominantly white neighborhood yeah. at that point. We weren't in a hood or anywhere. Right. Right. And there were still there were still systems put in place to keep my brother and sister from excelling. And what's insidious, and I can't keep um, emphasizing this enough, is that we, it's hard to see. It's hard for everyone to see, right? So a person of color, it's hard. We don't even think of it like that. We don't. We don't. And as a white person, you're not even aware of it for the most part. Some are. Again, yeah. We talk about our woke spectrum. But you, and it's, we we live in, it's in the air that we breathe. It's, it's all around us. Mm-hmm. And so if I could encourage, you know, our white listeners, that's, you know, is, is to look at that, to start critically thinking and asking those questions of, wait, where, where does racism play? play a part in my everyday life where does not where my does life, bias where does bias, bias play because we we like to use the word implicit bias because it is that it is implicit you you don't have to as a white person you don't have to ask these questions every day but it could be your neighbor literally down the street dealing with something like you you have the privilege of not even thinking but what if you don't have any black neighbors yeah, and that's half the issue. And that <laughs> it is because that's, well, I grew up like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm almost 30 years old and now just coming to these realizations is because we live such different lives. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have black neighbors, it's just taking the time to, you're listening to this podcast, that's your first step. But it's it's looking at the city around you. I mean, where I'm from, Cleveland, such complete different realities. Mm-hmm. I was from a suburb of Cleveland, of just it, 20 minutes down the road, complete mm-hmm. different realities of, of understanding. So it's looking up the po- poverty rates, child poverty rates, and asking why, who's in power, and why have these, why has it stayed the same? Yeah. If you're thinking, because here's here's what I think a little bit is that if you're thinking, um, well, the ghetto or the hood or the, is this way because of this or this or this then someone just said to us, somebody went to the hood and got some good chicken. So can you go? <laughs> right, right. Can you that's, go somewhere that's a hood? Okay, that's, you sp- hit to something so, because that was, I when I was growing up, if I had a friend that lived in Cleveland, even a white friend, my family mm-hmm. would be like, you can't go there. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. So, so those little words, that's what pisses me off. I know. It's because it's those little words that it's Yes, like, yes. Mm. We get passionate about that because that's just it. Mm. Challenge your thoughts. But why is it? But why is it dangerous? Right. Can and I, do you, is that based in fact? And do you really know that? Because people would say, we'll have some sort of this area that it's dangerous. Because I get so mad because I love where I live. And then I'll say, listen, 
the place that you think (laughs) the place that you think is amazing also has more crime than we do but then I get super super mad like I just heard about the shooting that happened Mm -hmm. after the ODU and I get so mad and I'm like oh I sat back for 10 years like you know like one incident one incident like it's a setback forever like oh and it's not fair that that has to even though even though on another side of town six people could have got shot Mm -hmm. but if it happens where where we're in our neck of the woods it's like yeah told you so told you but I would encourage so what I don't want to happen is that um that white people use not having not being in the space being in places where there are not any non-white people because this isn't just a, a black and white issue it is a, a cultural issue sure. so if you don't live in a space where maybe it's your your side of the world is where it's a, a, a discrimination or a bias against Muslim people or against Hispanic people or whatever it is, is that you can, we can no longer use that as an excuse to not hear those stories because we have this thing, it is so cool, it's called the internet (laughs) and we have social media and we have so many, we have so many ways to get connected to each other, which is very dangerous in its own right, Mm -hmm. but it's also a, a gift Right. In, in in your own way. Well, this sounds like we're getting to our so what now what. It is. What? So what now yeah. what. Yeah. So y'all know this part. So what now what. You've just listened. You've heard about Detroit. You've yeah. heard. Yeah. I would love to hear people say whether you think that access to literacy is a yeah, constitutional right. that's such a great question. I, I wish I could answer that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I don't know. like, cause, And that's what we try to do in the podcast is it's not that we have the answers, but we're trying to bring you to, mm-hmm. to critically thinking about these things. But I would say my so what now what is so, wow, my eyes are open. I never even thought about the possibility of literacy as a you know constitutional right. Mm-hmm. And should it be? I think my now what is 100% challenging when you hear things like, well, that city is dangerous or that part of town is dangerous question that why is that have you even been there <laughs> because like knowing I know where I came from there my friends and family that would say certain parts of town were dangerous had not partake or didn't even know people that lived in certain areas and were saying that they were dangerous or and it wasn't based in truth mm-hmm. because when we come from a place of fear fear divides us fear keeps each us out of each other's heads mm-hmm. Are you scared? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm not scared either. You what's, so, go ahead. Go what's ahead. Your now what? Yeah. What's, yeah. Okay. My so what is that we already know that um, the truth of the matter is, is that back to male patriarchy, mm-hmm. <laughs> white males have weaponized many things. Yeah. So I just feel like... And, and it, whether it's voting or, and not all of them, mm-hmm. let's just say that not all of them, but power, those who want power in that kind of way. And that's not everybody because we have some amazing men mm-hmm. like Tim Wise mm-hmm. and oh, I can't think of the other guy's name that are doing the, that are saying, Hey, you know what? That's wrong and not right. Even though that these dudes set up this system, that's doesn't really work anymore. Right. That, that whatever can be weaponized will be weaponized. And right. I just think in this instance, it was water, water now in Flint, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Racism Environmental racism. You know, it doesn't, it, it, it's just another, it is another thing. Right. That is not new. I don't think it's new. I just think this is the first time you're hearing people say. And it's a new way sh- to think about it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I think we've just that's so now is that we know that there have been so many things over time that have been used to keep a divide mm-hmm. between, quite honestly, poor white people or middle class white people and non-whites. Sure. 
Right. And just to be, because yeah. this is a, this is a, a, a very large part of the cop population's issue because rural, 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 can I say that? Rural, rural. <laughs> it's hard to say. Break for control. My son keeps making fun of me because of the way I say juice. Juice? juice. What's wrong with that? Juice. Oh. Juice. I think it's fine with me. Okay. Does it sounds normal? It? He yeah. says I'm saying, he says like juice. No. I'm saying juice. I think it's fine. Okay. I get sensitive to some words. You're fine on that. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Rural. Rural. <laughs> now you got me overthinking. They, I'm overthinking it. So there are rural parts of the country that have the same, this very same issue. So this is not necessarily a white, non-white right. issue. It's a class issue. It's a, like most things, right? Right. Like most things and, and Matt covered in color. Mm-hmm. We cover it in color and we keep two segments of the population divided. But the now what is that we've got some amazing creative problem solvers. Yeah. Civic innovators. Yes. I love that. I love that. Yep. Civic innovators. <laughs> and I believe the the more that we get these little people, these non, these are little citizens in on these sorts of conversations, right? Because I think it's much easier for someone who these things might be uncomfortable to, to hear the voice of the folks that right. can't vote. Right. Hear the, listen to little those citizens. voices. Yeah. Listen to those voices and let's problem solve together. Those kids couldn't do that by themselves. Right. I'm sure that there are some people that say, you know what? I, I believe in your problem. And as someone who has the ability to stand up and show up for you, let me do it. Right. So pick your issue, whether it's bringing arts, because I told you, I was looking at that Obama fellow mm-hmm, lady mm-hmm. that brought little theater to her town because right. that was something. To the rural town. To the yeah. rural, you know what I mean? Like, what? pick your poison and figure out where does a uncomfortable culture conversation lie in it. Right hear some of those voices and think of creative ways to solve it. I love that. I love people. I do too. The community. Most people. Most people. <laughs> well, that was a good episode. That was a good Thank one. you for bringing that story up to me. I would have listened yeah, to Yeah, you always have good stuff. Yeah. You always give me this. We do challenge each other. Yeah. yeah. And Bruce said, this was good. I hope that it is over now. So that, <laughs> so that you can get love. Can pet me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Well, All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. Stay curious. And make it a great day.